0: Hello and welcome to the Interfish Podcast, where we bring you the most interesting and compelling seafood news. I'm Drew Cherry, Editor-in-Chief, joined today by John Fiorillo, Executive Editor and John Evans Correspondent. Today, we are going to be looking at two iconic British foods, and we have expert and expat and Brit. John Evans with us to help us understand a bit about these foods and the importance of them. And, of course, there's seafoods. Um, The price of the raw material that goes into fish and chips and into fish fingers, which in the U.S. are known as fish sticks, uh, has gotten to levels where uh, it is squeezing the margins dramatically for people that own fish and chip shops and also uh, pushing consumers that are used to uh, purchasing those fish fingers as a staple to other products or to stop purchasing or to m- trade down to fish fingers made with uh, with cheaper raw material. But we're going to talk about all this. I want to first turn it over to you, John. I mean, nothing is more iconic than fish and chips. It is the double-decker bus and the black cab and fish and chips. They're all one and the same. And I guess the queen congratulations on her jubilee so this is a perfect opportunity since we're we're very uh, we're ang- anglophiles today Tell us how big is the fish and chip sector I think people will be surprised
1: um, there are 10,500 fish and chip shops in the whole of the United Kingdom although decades ago there were many more um, actually when uh, fish used to come into Grimsby, and um, about the time of the Second World War, people used to sell fish and chips through a hole in the wall in their in their houses. It, it's obviously uh, been distilled down now to what it is, but it's still, as you say, an iconic industry. And a, a lot of people uh, buy fish and chips on Friday. They, they still finish work and they line up outside the fish and uh, chip shops or, um, the, uh, yeah, uh, and, and buy their fish and chips. And you can smell that. There's a distinctive smell of uh, malt vinegar that um, you only you, you can only uh, if you if you smelt it you you will, you, will, you will know, and um, yeah, what can I, what can I say? It, um, the um, but the, the number of fish and chip UK fish and chip shops are now willing to consider putting alternative species on their menu because of the uh, the soaring price of cod and haddock um, is is rising and. Um, for a long, long time, it's always been about cod and haddock for British consumers. They they haven't wanted to eat anything else. Um, but now, um, with the rising cost of everything, not just um, not just uh, fish, by the way, of potatoes uh, because of the rising cost of fertilizer and and farmers planting less potatoes because of the the, the rising cost of fertilizer, and of course, um, wheat and um sunflower oil of which um of which uh, Ukraine and Russia are major exporters that's pushed the uh, that's puts pushed, pushed the prices much higher and also let's not forget the um the petrol prices which is all linked into the um the post pandemic and um, uh, and the, the the war in ukraine as well okay
0: so let me let me uh, take things back a bit because you know it's it's fascinating when you think about the number of fish and chip shops and that you said that there were more. Um, taking us back to uh, say a, a, a classic uh, British kid childhood uh, in the United States, uh, a burger and a shake are kind of part of childhood. It's sort of you know what you might go get if you were a teenager or your parents might take you for a treat or. Or whatever. So, tell us a bit just from your childhood, and just tell us what role fish and chips plays, kind of culturally um, for uh, the United Kingdom, but also just for the British working class, which it, it was a, uh, as you said, it was a, is a food that you could grab and go. I mean, it's um, tell us just about how it
1: played in your life. Yeah, I can remember my dad t- taking to me, taking me regularly and and disappearing regularly to a fish and chip shop called Crutchley's. Um, uh, and as I said, there was always that uh, distinctive smell of malt vinegar outside. Uh, fish and uh, chips, fish and chips have always been wrapped in newspaper. Not that, um, so, well, going back further, they've been wrapped in newspaper these days, uh, and uh, they, they, they may still be wrapped in newspaper. But that's on the outside of the of white paper. Um, but it's it's all sort of part of the experience. And um, as you say, it, ha- it has been uh, typically seen as a working class food another thing that you will get with it is um is a is a thing it's just um typically only in a, in a in a in a chip shop which is mushy peas which are uh, peas kind of ground into um into a kind of paste and they are served there's all kinds of things that you get in there like pickled eggs and um and, and other things and even if you're talking about seafood jars of cockles and and, and things like that depending on the Depending on the, on the fish and chip shop, but yeah, I mean Friday was always the day, and obviously um, it, Britain is not um, majority a Catholic country, but uh, you know Easter as well. People queuing up outside um, fish and chip shops. So it's as you say, it's, it's part of the, it's part of the fabric of the country, really.
0: I mean, I recall you know your your coverage on fish and chips over the past couple of years, primarily. Prior to really feeling all this inflationary pressure, was uh, was COVID, and your reporting on on COVID was fascinating because it seemed that you know the the country and sort of the the British consumer seemed pretty intent on keeping chippies going. It, it seemed important, and uh, there seemed to be a lot of support, even. Uh, you know, in the height of the lockdowns to go get fish and chips, even though it's not traditionally seen as uh, maybe something that you would would uh, take back home. I mean, there are takeaway fish and chips, but it's not something necessarily you'd have delivered by Uber, but... Um, Certainly not. No, I
1: mean, you, you would go and get it yourself. You'd get it to take away. But then I think what has, what happened um, is that people, or I should say, the fish and chip shops have responded to what other... Um, uh, uh, eating outlets are doing with the with the delivery and um, and not just with the delivery and um, with them um, they had sort of spaces on the curb outside where people could park so they could hand the fish and chips to them so they wouldn't have to come into the shop they also had people spaced out they had um, glass screens for the first time between themselves and that and, and customers another way and uh, contact less paying, they, they adapted to, to be quite honest. It was very impressive how they adapted so quickly, um, to uh, you know, a, a, a very a, 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 an environment that changed very rapidly, you know, particularly at the start of COVID.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, just from your reporting and from what the uh, um, the National Federation of Fish Fryers, the association representing the chippies, have, have said, um. In a way, COVID, uh, as you said, it, it was impressive. They were able to move through it, but now there's real, uh, real fear um, that we're going to see thousands of fish and chip shops close. Um, and you know, is there just just tell us a bit about? You, you talked about inflation, but um, is there a sense that there's anything? To sort of change the direction of travel with this um, with this
1: pressure I, I think it's going to depend on, uh, on, on the, you know the, the economic uh, uh, outlook to be quite honest with you um, at the moment it's uh, I mean it's the first time they've, they've sort of put a figure on it or a, a, a close to a figure on it and they said you know a third might go of the ten thousand five hundred. But the, but the, the hope is even even so that the other uh, fish and chip shops would pick up uh, the trade. Um, so so yes, it's it's, it's it's kind of difficult to say, really. I mean, suddenly if petrol prices fell and and, and other things uh, in other, the price of other things fell, then the, we, they might be in a different situation, but at the moment, and um, for quite some time to come, it doesn't look like they're going to be.
0: Right, you you um, you've spoken with Andrew Crook, and he's the the president of the National uh, Fish Friars Federation, Fish and and yeah. he's he's given a lot of uh, thoughts on this and a lot of warnings on this. And, and this week he um, he spoke at a Norwegian seafood event, um, in part, sort of I, I think communicating to the Norwegian. Um, um, cod and haddock suppliers. Norway is one of the largest suppliers to the the UK, along with uh, Iceland and um, and Russia. And yeah. just communicating that this is it's really kind of an untenable situation. You know, I mean, we're we're talking about in some cases cod being forty percent higher than it, it was when you're looking at, at fresh cod. Or I'm sorry, let me let me revise that: a sixty four percent rise over the uh, over recent uh, weeks. Um, for yeah. fresh H&G uh, headed and gutted uh, Atlantic cod. Um, so this is all compounded too uh, by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which uh, there is a threat of a 35% tariff on Russian whitefish hanging over people's heads and fears that uh, the chip shops won't be able to get Russian product, which actually uh, is quite important. Correct. It, it goes uh, min- much of it goes uh, via China for secondary processing, but some does go direct. But-
1: yeah, it's about forty percent. Forty percent of their fish comes from Russia, so they are concerned about it. But at the same time, I mean, obviously, there's this, as you mentioned, there's the, the pressures that might force businesses out of uh, out of business. But at the same time, uh, you know, the the industry body says, you know, we can't let this. Continue in, uh, you know, in uh, in Ukraine. So we have to back whatever the government decides to do, whether it puts a 35% tariff on or, or or not. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 another thing, yet yeah, yet another thing that they're trying to contend with. And another thing that you didn't, uh, we haven't mentioned so far, and uh, and is mentioned quite often when you speak to people in the industry, is that some some fish and shop shop owners don't play by the rules. They don't pay the minimum wage, or they uh, they cut corners in other ways, and that makes it more difficult for uh, some fish and chip businesses to stay in competition with them. I mean, some some uh, fish and chip shops they they'll sell on the uh, the size of their 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 portion and the quality of their product, and they'll sell for you know three dollars, sorry, it's three pounds, uh, nearly four dollars. More uh, than than their rivals, and, and yet they're playing against they're playing the, uh, the competition against um, you know others who don't stick by the rules. So that's a, that's another sort of burden they have to bear.
0: Now you know I, I recall, John, when this was years ago uh, when we were reporting on this, and and it was at a time when um, some of these species, uh, uh, farmed whitefish species, or kind of non-cod and haddock species. We're starting to creep onto menus or at least the public was becoming aware that there was whitefish that was farmed, uh, which there really wasn't an awareness. And I believe it hit kind of the headlines of the Daily Mail and the Sun and those types of papers, um, you know, kind of just saying how blasphemous it was that. Um, that people would be putting, uh, you know, these these products into their fish and chips. But what are some of the other? What are the options now that fish and chip shops might have uh, for yeah. replacing a cod and haddock or or trialing it?
1: So, I mean, some are already using hake, uh, which uh, they may have done for quite some time. Others are now uh, looking into species like um, tilapia, and uh, I think one or two have even tried. Pangasius uh, in the past, and uh, that is uh, commonly known as bassa. Which pangasius is the, uh, the the word pangasius is not known in Britain, but uh, they put this uh, sort of word that's sort of more acceptable to public ears bassa uh, um, out, and, and that that could be that could be another one that uh, maybe appears more. But I think it'll it'll just come down to price in the end whether people can or will um, decide to cut back on their weekly budget and uh, uh, maybe have fish and chips once in every two weeks or once a month or something rather than you know having it um more regularly right and uh, you know just switching over to to fish fingers and
0: another um another food item that is very popular in the uk fish finger sandwiches is one thing that you don't find a lot in the United States, uh, but it is a popular thing in the United Kingdom, um, and it's another food item that is um, uh, again. My our, our colleague Dominic Welling was and I were laughing that it's actually considered a staple. Or um, when the Office for National Statistics in the United Kingdom tracks grocery items and tracks uh, staples, it's quite interesting that fish fingers is one of those staples it tracks and. You know, they, they did highlight that uh, obviously there's been some price inflation there. Um, and Dominic looked at, in particular, cod fish finger sales. Because, again, cod is what Brits think. Oftentimes, no matter what they're eating, they think it might be cod if it's, if it's a white fish. Um, but what we have seen is as the price pressure that I mentioned, that the cod price inflation has gone up, we have uh, seen a pretty stark decline in sales volume, which we hadn't really seen um, we hadn't really seen before this type of drop in correlation with price like this. It's been more of a larger question of where when consumers might kind of get fed up, so to speak. Um, and now we're we're seeing that it's definitely happening, at least statistically, we can see it happening. Um for the 52 weeks uh, through uh, around late April, um, compared with the year prior 2021, um, we've seen cod prices uh, up again sharply in cod fish fingers. Um, you've seen a rise of uh, let me just take a look here price per kilo of cod fish fingers is up 9.6% uh, and price per unit also 6.7%. So um, prices is up pretty dramatically. Now, even more interesting is the sales volume that uh, has dropped off. Um, you've seen cod fish finger sales fall 20% in value uh, and 27% by volume uh, during that period. So wiping out, um, you know, wiping out uh, thousands and thousands of, of tons of, uh, of sales of codfish fingers. Now, what's been interesting has been that there are some beneficiaries and whether or not they will continue to be, I guess, is, is, a, uh, is a question. Um, but what we have seen in the UK is we've seen some, some trading down to Alaska Pollock. Uh, and Rachel Sapin, you've been covering Pollock uh, extensively, or our, our lead on that. So, talk to us a bit about uh, what's happening in the Alaska Pollock sector. We just started the what's called the B season. What is happening with that market, and how might that affect this shift over toward uh, a cheaper option?
2: Yeah. So, Alaska Pollock is still kind of doing. Pretty incredible, uh, given that consumers are shunning a lot of protein, um, including some seafood, because of inflation. Sorry, inflation remaining historically high, um, but pollock is still, you know, pretty much a deal compared to other uh, seafoods, uh, including cod. I know we did a story recently. I think we were just talking about this on cod that you know pollock fish fingers are significantly cheaper than uh, cod, and just in the US as well, um, pollock just remains a good value. Um, Even though pollock itself is seeing record prices, um, I've just heard from a lot of sources that they think it's even going to go beyond the $5,000 per metric ton mark for the PBO filet block, which is just really, it's like a 15 year high. So um, it's just really relative to everything else. And even though it seems expensive, everything else is more expensive is kind of where Pollock's at.
0: Well, that's a good point because um uh, the uh, I didn't mention this when I was talking about the the cod fish finger um story that Dominic did. But um in comparing those, just to give you a sense of the price per kilo difference, um we're talking about uh for Pollock fish fingers, about five five dollars 50 per kilo uh versus cod fish fingers which are eight dollars and 50 cents per kilo so um we're talking about a significant uh a difference here we're talking about a 54 percent uh higher cost and so as you say trading down from cod uh, to pollock, and even with pollock's high high levels, it still may sort of end up being a um, one of the winners here um, in in whitefish, just because it continues to be significantly cheaper than cod and and haddock. So, um, Rachel, the, the b season uh, Alaska pollock's b season starts today. That's the second season of the of the year. Um, and in a, it's, it's so unusual because the A season, we had sort of cycled through uh, prior to kind of, there was already inflation, but not the explosive inflation that we've seen. And obviously, uh, all the sanctions against Russia had not come to pass yet. And so what are executives saying about B season then? Are there, what's the sense of what we might expect either from catches or from, uh, from the market? Is there, are they able to sort of feel where things might go?
2: Yeah, I, I think they think that, um, you know, things are going to go relatively well um, and that, you know, there's they've pretty much caught up on inventory, um, including their high-value inventory. Um, that's included um, Pimbo, sorry, PBO Filet and Deep Skin Filet. And, you know, they have that product. And even though there was a lower, lower total allowable catch this year, um, they've got plenty of customers that want it. Um, and you know, uh, Alaska Pollock, it's largely a domestic product. So, uh, they're pretty set with the customers They They sell it to, So, uh, you know, which are largely like the McDonald's type customers, um, you know, that, that do the paleo fish and they're not feeling worried about that. And they're also this um, summer not having any coronavirus issues really. Um, And they are actually getting the labor they need, I've heard from a couple of processors. So, uh, so far things are looking pretty good for them. Um, It's really people that are just kind of scrambling to replace their Russia products that uh, might be having issues. But anyone who's been kind of with Alaska Pollock buying Alaska Pollock shouldn't have a problem.
0: Right and, and you know some of the, the reporting that's been done um, uh, by our European colleagues uh, as well, um, looking at what the alternatives might be. Um, there's really nothing quite there's nothing that can quite fill that gap. So it's really put people that are purchasing Russian Pollock and Russian cod in a really tough bind because as you mentioned, Rachel, um, even if there is massive demand, it's, you know, from your reporting, nobody seems to be particularly excited about that as an opportunity in the US simply because it, it seems to me like their they're, uh, fish is already committed to customers.
2: Yeah, exactly. A lot of um, the producers I speak with, the Pollock producers, Um, are very much like, we have our customers, we work with them a long time. (laughs) It would take a lot for us to switch, you know, to selling to someone else because, yeah, they have their committed customers and they don't really have plans to switch.
0: So plenty of chaos and confusion in the whitefish industry. It's all interlinked, and that's kind of what's so fascinating about the sector is uh, no matter whether you're harvesting uh, hake in South America or Alaska Pollock in Russia um, or uh, any other of the the white fish around the world or farming it uh, in Vietnam, it's it's all dependent on on one another and so this this um, what's been happening in uh, with the sanctions against Russian producers has really thrown everything up in the air. But bottom line, If you are buying anything that has white fish inside of it, you're gonna be paying more for it. All right, well, let's wrap it up there. Remember that you can find our news daily on intrafish.com. There's plenty of newsletters you can sign up for, whatever your interest might be. If you are a subscriber, that's very easy for you to get alerts on particular topics. So for example, If you wanna just track Whitefish whenever we publish a story on it and you sign up for the alerts, you can get a weekly roundup of our Whitefish coverage or you can get get a daily alert as it happens. So it's fantastic. We've got a lot of subscribers that have signed up for it and are using it and are are very happy with it. So make sure and take advantage of that. Also, don't forget we've launched our app and that is easy to find on the App Store and on Google Play. And it's another great way to keep up with us uh, on the go. It's the best way to, uh, to look at our news on a, on a mobile device. So download it and take it for a spin. Okay, everyone. We'll look forward to talking to you next time.